All right, well, we've been in a series called In His Name. We're going to continue on that. We're going to put up a few scriptures, kind of uh, not take time to turn to many of these because it's just a review, but just to set the stage for where we're going, uh, make sure everybody's on the same page. So we're going to run through these uh, reviewing. You can jot them down, or of course you can get the recording and um, jot them down there too. But uh, Matthew 16, 15 says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Notice it says, In my name they'll do these things. They'll cast out demons, speak with new tongues, uh, Take up serpents if they drink anything deadly, will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. But notice before that, in verse 16 or 15, it says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So we are here uh, on his behalf. Let's read a couple more scriptures. We'll say more about that. Matthew 28, 18 says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. You know, that's part of what we're supposed to be doing. Go and make disciples. We need to, uh, and that's what we're doing here. Disciples is a follower. This isn't just you get saved and then you live like you always have. This is we get saved, we get born again, we come to know Jesus, we come into the family of God, and then we grow in Him because we're actually walking our walk here on earth with Him, or we ought to be. We ought to be growing up in the Lord. In other words, we ought to be further now than we were last year, or we were three years ago, or five years ago. We ought to be growing, and that's, that's what it means by making disciples. So uh, the Word comes forth, and we have that Word, but then we exercise it. It's like eating a good meal and then going and do the work to exercise. If all you do is eat, we know what happens there. If all you do is exercise, you're going to be dead pretty quick if you don't eat. <coughs> so you can't just go out, do the work, and not get fed. You, some people think that. Well, I got enough. I understand it. Have you ever, un, know, have you ever seen, uh, spiritually speaking, you can see something clearly, you can know it, but if you just start going and walking things through in this earth and doing what you know to do and quit feeding yourself spiritually... Even though you thought you knew something, even though you thought you were strong, you will grow weak. Things will not work the way they're supposed to. The things that were so clear will grow dim. The things you thought you knew about God and knew God that you thought I will never lose, this will always become clear, will grow fuzzy. Because your spirit is becoming weak. Spiritually speaking, you're worn down. The, the mind is part of you, the, the uh, flesh is part of you, but your spirit needs to be fed. And we need to be built up spiritually in order to run a race. And have you noticed that you will get weak if you don't get fed? Well, this is not too uh, surprising because it's the same way in the natural. If you don't eat, 
you will get weak. Just because you had a steak dinner a week ago does not mean you're strong a month later. And if you heard somebody say, well, you know, I, I don't understand it. I mean, I had a fine dinner. I had whatever your favorite cut of meat is, you know, a New York strip or a ribeye or whatever, filet, and I had all the sides, and boy, I, I was stuffed when I got, I probably ate too much, and I don't understand why I'm hungry and why I'm feeling so weak. And they say, well, when was that? Well, that was last Thursday. Have you eaten anything? Well, just a little bit, some crackers and some water. They look at you like, you still want an answer? You didn't just answer your own question? But you know, spiritually, people will go, I don't understand. I just, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not feeling strong. I don't know. I, why is this happening? Why is this? They don't understand why they're starting to doubt God and, and doubt the things that he's told them. And they, they, could, they could start ending up, I don't even know if I'm supposed to be here. And they were so sure that they were supposed to be in a, in a certain place. And they go, well, I just don't understand it. When was the last time you were at church? Or when was the last time you're, you're reading your Bible? Well, you know, three weeks ago. Or I haven't read my Bible. You can be going to church, but, you know, you need to be reading your Bible, spending time with God. Well, I'm just busy. It's, I, you know, it's, it's been a, three weeks. It should be the same response as the natural food. What? And you're surprised? You're feeling weak because you, you haven't been fed spiritually? You're... You're surprised? But, but Christians will say, I don't understand it. What's your diet been like? Spiritually. What have we been feeding on? Because what we put in is what's going to try to be digested. And if there's no spiritual content, guess what? Your spirit's not getting fed. Amen. Doesn't matter if it has the word Christian on it. That doesn't mean it's spiritually potent. You got to be, be careful what's on it. What, what, what is the content? I don't care what the package says. What is in the package? Amen. It is sometimes these basics that trip us up. And the enemy will tell you, you don't need to read your Bible today. You're busy. I mean, you'll do it tomorrow. You know you never did anything tomorrow? Because by the time you get to tomorrow, it's today. And so tomorrow, ever hear that? Well, you just do it tomorrow. It's funny how then something pops up tomorrow, and then, hmm, didn't get to it. Now this isn't, you can look at this legalistically, which a lot of people have missed it by looking at it. This is not legalism. Food is not legalism. If somebody said, man, I missed a meal, I can't believe it, I feel so bad. So stupid. I should have eaten at 6 o'clock. That's my time. I'm supposed to be at dinner. I didn't eat. <sighs> if you can, if you told that to somebody, what would they say? Uh, not too late. It's 8 o'clock. Why don't you go grab yourself a sandwich? I don't know. But I'm supposed to do it at 6. See, people get legalistic with reading the Bible. I'm supposed to do it at 5.30 when I wake up. Missed my slot. Why don't you do it over lunch? I'm supposed to do it at 5.30. Just slip it in. Let me ask you another question. Uh, why is it so bad that, I mean, in the natural, if you missed a whole meal and don't have time to eat or didn't make time to eat the whole thing, you know, like sit down and have a, a sit-down dinner, is it, uh, are you going to be 
at least a little more filled if you grab something on the way out and take time, you know, maybe you grab a half a peanut butter sandwich or something. Is that going to sustain you more than nothing? Well, why then, you know, you didn't have time to do whatever you think you should do or whatever you've been doing. Why not just sit down with God for a few minutes and get quiet and spend some time reading the Bible for five minutes, even if that's not what you normally do? See, some people will go all or nothing and they'll say, well, I couldn't do everything, so I do nothing. Well, if we did that with food, people are like, well, I, I didn't get the whole meal, so I'm not eating anything. I'm so hungry, but well, why don't you just eat this? No, I wasn't there. I didn't hit the whole thing. So forget it. Well, here's a sandwich. It's, oh, nope. And they spend more time going back and forth than if you just down the sandwich, you're done. Get an energy bar. Be done with it. Now, I'm not saying we treat our relationship with God like that, but the parallel is there. Amen. Stay. We need to stay built up, strong, healthy, because we are supposed to be growing in God. It is His will. And it is just so much like the natural. If you want to grow, you got to eat. If you don't want to get fat, you got to exercise. So we are going to work. We're going to eat. And then we're going to go out and exercise with what we have. And then we're going to repeat. We're going to keep feeding ourselves spiritually, getting things. If all some Christians are in the opposite, just feeding, 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 step out to do a little bit. Oh, don't really like that. I'm going to go back to feeding. You know, I don't like to exercise. I don't like to actually use my faith. Nope, going to go back. I like to listen to the messages more. It's, yeah, the amen, amen, amen. Go out to use it. Nope, can't do that. Try to step out in faith a little bit. Oh, that's scary. I'm going to go back. I just want to amen the other guy. I'm going to go listen to that series again. You can't just do that for the rest of your life either. Don't starve yourself, but don't just sit there and be, you know, I remember when I went to the Philippines on a missions trip in 2005 and in our last they were they were so gracious to us um you know the last night we were there they 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 had a a kind of a um you know big dinner on the i don't know what floor it was of this of this high-rise building it was really nice and we just had a little banquet and um you know, the, the pastor there was, was just talking to us, and, you know, he was from Rhema, had been out there for years and years and um, decades. And uh, he was saying, he was telling us, because we, we were at Rhema, and he was saying, when you get done with Rhema, he goes, unless God specifically tells you to stay, go out and do something. He goes, there's people, there's Rhema students that are sitting there hemorrhaging the word, they have so much that's just coming out and they're not doing anything. There's people that are starving. He goes, you've had stuff put into you to go out and do something with it. And sometimes we are like that. You know, as Christians, we, we just want to listen to the word, listen to the word, listen to the word. But what are we going to do with it? Well, we're supposed to go out and make disciples. We're supposed to go out and do something. Well, that wasn't all part of what I was going to say, but we said it, so we're not going to take anything back. But... Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Luke 24, 46, Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem, until you are endued from power on high. So you can see from these scriptures, uh, Jesus is saying, you go out 
in my name and make disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He's saying we have a mission. Now we read in 2 Corinthians um, 5, let's just read 520. 2 Corinthians 5.20, we'll read it in the New King James first. It says, uh, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And can you put that same verse up in the New Living Translation? It says, So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making His appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. So we, we spent some time on this, this last week, and then some of the weeks prior touched on it. We are Christ's ambassadors. We are uh, working with Him to fulfill the, the Great Commission. He has told us to go out and share the good news, to share the goodness of God. Amen. And so, He uh, said in the, this, the first scriptures we read, you going out in His name. Now, we, we see here we're ambassadors. Now we put up this, go ahead and put up the definition real quick, uh, the one. Uh, an ambassador is an official envoy, especially a diplomatic agent of the highest rank accredited to a foreign government or sovereign as the resident representative of his or own government or sovereign or appointed for a special and offer, often temporary diplomatic assignment. So we spent some time there. We are ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ here on this earth. We're not citizens, we are citizens of different places on this earth, but really our home is in heaven. So really, we, if you didn't listen to last message, last week you weren't here, go back, listen to it. Uh, we are really citizens of heaven. We're here temporarily. We're here as representatives. We are here on a mission to, to um, fulfill a call, fulfill what God has asked us to do, but we are His ambassadors. In other words, we speak for Him. And we got into this some. That's what in His name means. When you're it, doing something in His name, it's He is giving you a task and it's as if Jesus were doing it. You're doing it in His authority, in His, as part of His command. So it's just as if Jesus were doing it. That's what in his name means. It's not just a tagline on our prayers. What we're saying is in his uh, presence, in his authority, in his name, we're claiming this. We're praying this. We're doing this. And so we spent some time on that. Let's uh, read. Let's put up this real quick before we go on. First uh, Corinthians. Um, let's just actually let's put up second Corinthians six. Verse 1, we then as workers together with him also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. That's fine. Just that part. Uh, verse 1, as workers together with him, we then as workers together with him. So we are workers together with God. Can you put um, the New Living Translation, same verse? 2 Corinthians 6, 1. It says, as God's partners... So we're his fellow workers, we're his partners, we're ambassadors for Christ. He told us to, that we have a mission. He said to go into all the world. He said that all authority has been given to me. I'm therefore telling you to go. So we are walking in this earth with him as his partners, as his representatives to do something. 
Now we know what that is generally. We know that we are called to share the good news with others. Not just that, we're called to make disciples, to grow them up, and to grow up ourselves, to serve, and to get to know our Father better, and to run our race, getting to know Him in the place He's called us to be, and getting other people to go with us, serving with our, our local uh, body of, of Christians, and then reaching out into the world. We know that. And so we are called to do something specific on this earth. Now what I want to focus on this morning, go ahead and turn over to Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, is specifically some aspects about doing that, running your race, fulfilling the call that's on your life, Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, in the New King James says, Come to me, all you who are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is Light. Now I'm going to read that in the New Living Translation. It says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. We had a post on that earlier this week. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is what? Light. Now as we get into this, we're going to read another translation in a moment. But this is what, this is the, the reason I read those other scriptures is to tie where we've come to where we're going. Now, whose ambassadors are we? Christ. Christ. Whose partners are we? Christ, God's. Whose fellow workers are we? God's. You could say God, Christ. I mean, we're talking about God Almighty. Christ is God. Different places. We're God's partners. We're His ambassadors. We're His fellow workers. Who did He tell to go into all the earth? He told us, but not just doing our own thing. We're partners, right? Okay. So we're going to do what he's telling us to do, right? So if he's telling us to go into all the world, are we just going to say, well, all right, I'm supposed to go into all the world. I'm just, here I go. Shouldn't we ask him what to do? Okay. So we should be doing what he's telling us to do. There is go into all the world. That's to the church. But where in the world are you going to go? You need to, we need to ask Him, right? He has a specific place for each of us. Amen. And we don't make that, a, we don't assume where we're supposed to go 
and what we're supposed to do, we ought to ask Him. Now, as you get going, new Christian, walking with, a Christ, with God for a few years even, but a new Christian, you don't have to have it all figured out, and we don't have it all figured out ever, any of us, but you just put, people say, well, what do I do? And they get frozen. Just put your hand to something and start going, and He'll guide you. It's easier to steer a moving car than it is a stationary one. Anybody ever try to move, to steer a car that is not moving? Does it do anything? I mean, the wheels may turn, but is the car going to go anywhere different? No, it's just there. It's however many hundreds or thousands of pounds, depending on the car. And where, where is it going to go if it's sitting there and you're turning the wheel? You can turn the wheel to the left, turn it back to the right, turn it to the left. You're in the same place. That's what some people are doing, you know. They're just turning the wheel going, I just don't know where to go. Well, you're not going anywhere. You're there. But if you start just moving, now you can start steering it. Well, God, if we'll just start moving, God can nudge us and push us. And he'll, he'll get, he'll, we'll learn. He'll get us going in the right direction. We just have to trust him. So the important thing is put your hand to something. Get going. Don't try to figure out your quote-unquote ministry is. Number one, it's not your ministry. Amen. It's his ministry and we're just part of it. What we ought to say is, God, what part do you want me to do? I'm working with you and I go. So number one, we need to know what he's telling us to do. And like I said, if we're just getting going, put your hand to something. And, you know, it may not always be exactly what you want to do. God knows what he's doing. He knows what he's training you to do. You may say, I don't like that. Okay, that's not the that's really irrelevant. What is he asking you to do? That's what's relevant. Has anybody ever gone through any training or any job or something, any part of a job that you did not like? Huh? Well, I really like this job. I just don't like this part. Well, is that part of the job? Yeah, well, okay. Which job? I mean, every job has some parts. You know, even doing your own thing. You got some parts that you'd rather probably do without. Well, I don't like that. So, you know, it's just the way it is. Well, God, I just don't want to do that. Okay, that's not the question. Is he asking you to do it? Yeah. Okay, well done. That's the end of the story, right? Because if we're doing what part he would ask us to do, what else are you going to do? The king says, would you do this? Do you say, I don't like that? An earthly king, an earthly king says, and I don't think there would be, would, would you do it? It'd be, do this. I don't like that. What's the next thing that could happen? No more you. Or your body's there and you're not there. Right? Well, he's a gracious, see, God, Jesus Christ, is gracious and kind. We're going to see that. He's not the hard taskmaster. If you feel like it's a hard taskmaster, I have news for you. You're not listening to him. Ouch. Maybe. I just don't. I mean, it's. That's not him. Now, will he ask you to do something maybe you don't like? Yep. But doesn't have to be difficult. Doesn't have to be hard. It's how we look at it. 
He's not going to tell you and demand you do anything. See, this is where a lot of people miss it. God's not going to chase anybody. Oh, he loves you. He'll give you opportunities. But he's not going to just run down and, will you serve me, will you serve me, will you? He won't do it. People misrepresent God sometimes. Act like he's just following everybody around, just trying to... He's not. He'll give opportunities and see he's so gracious. He's a gentleman. You don't want to do it? He'll wait. He'll, he'll back off. Somebody else may end up doing it. But he'll ask, would you help me? Would you do this? And if you say no, okay. Would a gentleman do that? Would a gentleman force you to do something? Somebody that's polite. If you don't, do you like the people that try to get you to do something when you're walking down the mall and you're like, clearly, I don't want to do whatever you're trying to, and they pound you? Do you do, does that bless you? You're like, would you get out of my face, right? I'm trying not to look at you, or I don't want whatever you're trying to give me. I don't want, you say no. If they're trying to hound you, that's not good. Well, some people are acting like they're begging you to try to serve God. That's not God. God he laid down his life for humanity, and people reject him, but he doesn't say, oh, pretty, pretty please. Now, it breaks his heart, and he'll give you opportunity. After I'm not saying he won't send people, but he's not going to wallow and grovel and try to get you to serve Jesus. It's an honor, and it's a privilege. We don't know how high of an honor and a privilege it is. Do you understand Jesus Christ, the highest name in the universe? When he comes and asks us something, it's higher than any corporation president. It's higher than any head of any government. The, the king of the universe is saying, will you? And we have an opportunity to say, sir, yes, sir. What would you like me to do? And we're going to see it when we go into the next realm. And people that have passed on already have how high an honor it is to serve the Almighty. When you go really home, when you're at home in heaven, we're going to see what we did here on earth. And if we've served Him, we'll realize, wow, I didn't understand what I was doing. People are going to honor you. People are going to come up and talk to you that you impacted or that you were a part of. When you've given to ministries, you're a part of that. You're a part of that impact. They're going to come up and they're going to say, thank you. Hallelujah. It is such an honor and a privilege to serve Him. So He doesn't run us down. He doesn't try to get us to do things. He'll, he'll, now, I'm not saying he won't, he won't bring it back to you, just like a good parent, but He's not going, oh, pretty please, would you serve? No, that's not, He's not groveling. But he doesn't, and he doesn't force either, though. So he's not begging, but he's not going to come at you and go, do it! Now! Saved you, I did all this stuff. Come on, get moving. If anybody had the right to do that, it's him. He created humanity. And how, it, you know, look at the people that don't refuse to serve him and say he doesn't exist. That must be interesting. They don't think I exist. That's funny. I created you. I created everything about you. You don't think that I created your baby. You think that just happened. Interesting. 
You don't think I created all this. You think this just happened. You're too smart, you that been around for a few decades. But he's not condescending. He's not, he's not mean. If anybody had the right to be, it would be him. He's not like that. So he has given us a mission. He's given us a commission. He has made us, as Christians, partners with him. He's made us fellow workers, ambassadors. So then, when we go to actually do something for him, number one, it needs to be what he said to do. We don't get to pick. That's what being, when he, we say he, he's our Lord, that means he tells us what to do. Amen. That does not mean we get to choose what we want to do, and then we go ask for his blessing on it. That's where people have missed it in sometimes is because they're trying to do something and then trying to get God involved. That's totally backwards from what we're supposed to do as Christians. It's his ministry. He's the one that asked us to do something on this earth. It's he that said, go into all the earth. He's, it's he that said, you're my fellow workers. So what are we fellow working in? What he said to do. It, we don't go and figure out what we want to do and say, okay, God, will you bless it? Totally wrong. We go, God, what would you like me to do? And now he is involved in that. He's involved in what he asked us to do. Why wouldn't he be? Because we're going in his name. You can only go do in his name what he asked you to do. It, like we said last week, you know, going in his name, that would, if you're going in the name of somebody that's up higher, like let's say you're working for a corporation and you're going in the name of the president, you can only do in his name what he asked you or through a chain of command asked you to do. You can only act on behalf of the corporation if they told you to do it. In other words, you can't go down to the local bank and rob it and say, doing it in the name of filling your corporation, right? <laughs> I'm doing it in the name of the president. Well, now you're in bigger trouble than you would have. You just would have shown up and robbed the bank. Now you're trying to bring other people into it. Well, you know, I'm doing this. I go down and I'm, I'm uh, buying all these goods at the mall in the name of the company. You're doing that on a company credit card. Guess what? day's coming, you're going to pay it back and you're probably going to be out of the company and it's not going to go well. You can't just do stuff in the name of the company that they didn't ask you to do. The whole point is they asked you to do it and you're just the arm that's getting it done. You're not the company. You're not the head honcho, but you're acting on behalf. Maybe if it came all the way down from the top and came down through the chain of command, you're the arm that's getting it done because they said they wanted it done. Now they're gonna give you the resources to get it done, to get that done. They're not gonna give you the resources to get whatever you think you want to get done. It's the same way with God. Each of us, as a Christian, we come into the body of Christ and then we need to understand what is it you would have me to do and the only thing that's gonna be backed up by God is what he said to do. Anything else is us doing it. It's not doing it in his name. You might fool other people or somebody may fool, you know, saying, well, it looks like ministry. It's I'm doing it on behalf of Jesus. The question is, 
Did Jesus, God Almighty, ask you to do it? That's a, that's a crucial question. Because if he did, now it's his deal and he's involved in it. If he didn't, what are we doing? We're just doing our own thing. We might say it's in his name, but that's no different than us going off doing something on the company's time when we're saying it's a company, but the company didn't ask us to do it. They're under no obligation to support your activities. But if it's his activities, absolutely he's going to support it. Because it's his. You're just the arm that's getting it done. And guess what? If you don't get it done, he's not going to follow you all your days of your life. Somebody else will get it done. This is the question. It's not whether or not God's work is going to get done. It's whether or not we're going to be involved in the work. You say, how could he ask somebody else? Because the job's going to get done. It's not your job. It's his job. Are you going to be part of it? Are we going to be part of it? Because they're heard numerous and see numerous examples. If somebody doesn't do something, God will ask somebody else to do it. And sometimes the people end up doing it are the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth choice. But they're getting it done. So, number one, we want to understand what he would have us to do. What he would have us to do in his name. But then, as we're doing it, and this is very much tied to the thing we're, we're talking about here in Matthew. Because his yoke is easy to bear. And the burden he gives you is what? Super heavy. It, it's crushing. You can make it if you, you're really disciplined. Is that what it says? Does this give that impression? It does not. Let's go back and read the rest of this. Can we go back to 28? Then Je She's sharp, isn't he? She's on the video. Awesome. Then Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. And what's he, what, what, you know, well, if you just stop there and then fill in the blanks with some Christians. Well, that's the way it is because you're on earth, honey. And it's just not fun. And you know, everybody has their cross to bear. That's misquoting. Yes, he said we have a cross to bear, but now he's telling us something about it. He's not saying, ooh, and it's tough. I know, it's tough. It's going to be hard to make it. You better have your everything in order if you're going to make it. Because it is super hard. Is that what he said? Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you what? Rest. Does that sound like more heavy? More burden? Rest is not the picture of, and we're just going to shove you right into the ground. You think that's heavy? Here's heavy. That's not what he's doing. That's not what he said. He said, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, I will give you what? Rest. Can you go to the next Verse, take what? My yoke. You know, the picture of a yoke. Now I'm not a farmer. Never was. Nebraska is not all filled with farms. There, is, there are some cities. Not anything against farming. I'm just saying. Sometimes you say you're from Nebraska and they, they imagine you on a farm. Shelly has more farming experience than I do, just so you know. They had a, some acreage and everything. I, my, parent, my mom was a, on a farm but I was never on a farm. 
So I don't know about yoke. I just know what I've heard and read. That's about it. Not experientially. But you know, and I've seen it, pictures of it. You got some kind of animal, whether it's a mule or, I don't know many people have an ox, but you know, now, but whatever. And they put the wood or some kind of material over their shoulders so that they can, what, carry things and pull. And Jesus is saying here, take my yoke or the thing that you would take to, to, to pull the load. He said, take mine upon you. Now, before we go forward, you know, we set all this context for this reason. What yoke are we supposed to be pulling? His or somebody else's? Okay, we're his fellow workers, we're his ambassadors, we're representing him, the kingdom of God, we're coming in his name, so whose yoke are we supposed to be pulling? Or having on our... His. Are we supposed to have any other one? Take my yoke. Well, there's by him saying that. What did he say? Can you go back to 28? Let's go back to verse 28, New Living Translation. Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. So he's talking to the people. He's saying, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. Then, the next verse, take my yoke upon you. What's the implication? They did not have his yoke on them. What do they have? Something else. They have something else. If it's heavy, crushing, it's not his yoke. I said it's not his yoke. Do you, do you realize as Christians, we can put stuff on ourselves that's not his? Do you realize we can do stuff that he didn't tell us to do? You know what stuff burns us out? The stuff he did not tell us to do. Because his yoke is easy. Look at the next verse, or the next sentence. Sorry, go back. I was going to just read the next sentence. Verse 29, please. Let me teach you, because I am humble and what? Gentle. He's not going, do it. He's not doing that. If we hear that, we're not listening to him. You know, there's a lot of religious Christianity that's like, you got to do this and this, and it's not Jesus. It beats people up. It beats them down. It's like, you haven't done enough. That's not him. Does that sound like this? Does beating up sound like what he's talking about here? It's not him. That's not the spirit of Jesus. The Holy Spirit, the spirit of the living God, is not that way. And if you hear it, I don't care if you think it's coming from you, and I don't care if it, you think it's God, and I don't care if it tells you, which if you've got to be careful, if it, it's a voice, you've got to watch about voices. Don't try to hear a voice. Most of the time, God's going to lead you by, the, by just the peace of God on the inside of you. I'm not saying he won't ever speak to you in a voice, but anyway, I don't care if you have thoughts that this is God. The Bible says Satan presents himself like an angel of light. And he is really good at trying to load people down with stuff. He does it in the name of Jesus, and he does it in the name of all kinds of other gods. 
That's all inspired by him, and it is to crush people. The religions of the world that are not Christianity are all inspired by the enemy. I know that's not politically correct, but it's the truth. And they all make men smaller and have to grovel to God. Christianity is only one that God came as the Savior, and because of what he did, you can walk in the life he gave you, but you don't earn it. So what he gave us to do is not crushing. It's not too heavy. It's not overwhelming. It is not uh, too much because God's the one that gave it to us. He said he's humble and gentle at heart. He said you will find rest for your souls. Can you go to the next verse 30? For my yoke is what? Crushing. It's crushing. You can't bear it. If you really try hard and you're one of the, the super disciplined and super spiritual, you may be able to handle it because the life that God gives you, it's hard. But that's just what we have to do while we're here and then we'll get to heaven and then everything will be easy. Is that what this says? It does not say this. That's not what, how we're supposed to live. That's not God. The world, that is the spirit of the world. Who is the God of this world? It's Satan right now. The God of the Christian is God Almighty, is the Lord Jesus. But the world is under the sway of the devil. And that spirit that drives people in companies and tries to get them to do stuff, I'm not talking about all companies, I'm saying when you ever see something that tries to make people, just tries to sap everything out of them, it's the spirit of the enemy. It's not God. That's not, that's not the way it is. God, see, uh, something that has concern for people and their well-being and their longevity more so than just squeezing everything out of them, that is God. Squeezing everything out of them is the devil. He treats his people like trash. He will squeeze everything out of them. I, I, I read about this... Um, Certain these people that were involved in music, somehow I, I, I'd come across it. But it, it was stuff they thought they were messing. They thought they were putting on a show. This was years ago, decades ago. In a certain type where it was really, uh, they, they, these kids started out as teenagers and then went into their late teens and stuff. And it was in a different country. Thought they were glorifying death and glorifying suffering. And they, they thought it was a persona. And they were, it was really heavy music. And they thought they were just putting on a show. And they didn't understand what they were messing with. And they, there started to be strife in people. And they, they couldn't, they were confused. And they thought they were putting on a show. But then it started to become real. And they were encouraging people to, you know, be against churches and different things. And then there was murder. And they, people murdered each other in, the band, in different things. That is inspired by the devil, and yet he can't help himself. He kills the people that are helping him to, to, to uh, accomplish his cause. Died early, early, early. They're murdering each other. That is the spirit of the devil. Whenever you see something that tries to put, that's 
oppressive and tries to put its thumb over people. Any area of the world, that is the devil. Tries to control people, tries to make them do stuff, tries to, you know, squeeze everything out of them. That's not God. I said it's not God. It's not our Lord. Because he said my yoke is what? It's easy to bear. Easy. It's easy to bear. And the burden, what? I give you. Which other one are we supposed to be taking? Something somebody else gave us? As his partners, as his ambassadors, we are supposed to take the burden that he gives us and no other. Do what he told us to do and anything else we leave aside. Somebody said it like this, and I fully agree. You have to disobey God in order to burn out. May not even be doing it willfully, but in other words, God is saying, do this. And you, through ignorance, through listening to these things that are trying to say, you got to do more, you got to do more, you got to do more, you got to go faster. That's not God. Listening to that, a lot of Christians fall into that. Listening to that, instead of listening to God, will cause you to burn out. Because you're doing something else that God didn't ask you to do. And some people are trying to do all these different things, and about this much God told them, about this much they added, and they're saying, I can't handle it. Well, that sounds a lot like this verse. Amen? And it's tempting. You know why? Because the world does this. Why? Because their God is the devil, whether they understand that or not. And the spirit behind that's motivating a lot of behavior is not godly. It's motivated by this spirit, which is take, 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 crush, kill, steal, destroy. And... The enemy, if he can't stop you from serving God, one of his strategy is overload you to stop you, crush you. You're zealous, you want to serve God, you're going to go, and he'll try to get you to pick up stuff that the master is not giving you. And now he knows it may look good, he'll encourage you. It looked good, look at how much you can handle. That's a lie. Why is it about how much you can handle? I thought it was about how much he could do through you. Whose ministry is it? Whose calling is it? Is it yours or is it his? It's his. So what are we supposed to do? Well, I know God asked me to do this, but look at all the stuff I can do. What is that? It's pride. Who's the author of pride? Satan. You know, he'll help, he'll help somebody destroy themselves. Look at you, man. You're doing way more than everybody else. And all the while he's like, and you're going to be dead in three years. I just put you on autopilot. Ooh, keep going. Ooh, you're doing an awesome job. Oh, it's hard, but you know, that's the way, you know, Christian, you're doing it for Jesus. Keep, keep it up. Good job. Look at you. Man, you're, you're outrunning everybody. Not going to be running for long, but... And you'll have help. You look at the wrong stuff, you read the wrong stuff online, there are some people that subscribe to this. 
And they're going to tell you just that. You read Christian articles, quote unquote. I'm not saying they're not Christian. I'm not saying they don't love God, but they think they're the Savior. I'm not saying they, they consciously think that, but they are buying in to this spirit behind it that's you got to do stuff. And that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that He is the Savior, and He is the leader, and He is going to give you something to do, and that something is not hard, it's easy to bear, and the burden I give you, or He gives you, is light. Amen. So if we are feeling crushed at any point, or stressed, guess what we're doing? We are taking up stuff we shouldn't take up or we're looking at the things that he actually has given us incorrectly. Amen. So the good news is, if we're serving him, he'll give us something that we can handle, something that isn't hard, something that we can do, something that we're able to sustain, Glory to God, I didn't get to a lot of stuff here. Pray, let me read this to you. I didn't read this in the Amplify, let me read it to you quickly. It says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden and what? Overburdened. And I will cause you to rest. I will ease and relieve and refresh your souls. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle, meek, and humble, lowly in heart, and you will find rest, relief, and ease, and refreshment, and recreation, and blessed quiet for your souls. For my yoke is wholesome, useful, good, not harsh, not hard, sharp or pressing, but comfortable, gracious, and pleasant, and my burden is light and easy to be born. That's our God. Did you notice it's not harsh? It's not hard. It's not sharp. It's not pressing, but it's comfortable. It's gracious. Pleasant. You notice on the last page it said recreation? Woo! You can have fun, relax, quiet. Notice what it said. You will find rest, relief, ease, refreshment, recreation, and blessed quiet. That sound like a real hard life? Some people like Annie. I got a hard knock life. We got a hard knock life. I'm serving God. It's a hard knock life. That's not true. That's not God. Our God is good. He's faithful. Praise you, Lord.